Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hey, really glad you're with us, and happy 4th of July. Grab a stool. It's the 4th of July, Independence Day edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Happy 246th birthday, America. Jim and I are coming to you today. I can assure you we're not doing this live today. We are spending the 4th of July with our families, but we wanted to uh, take this time because we hear all the time, especially from the left, but also the media and so many others about what's wrong with this country, and in some cases, what's wrong with America fundamentally. And so we thought it would be a good time, especially today, to talk about three things that we each love about this country, and the list is long and illustrious, so coming up with three shouldn't be that tough. So, uh, Jim, which uh, part of America is batting leadoff for why you love this country? Sure. This was inspired in part by a National Review issue uh, either last year, maybe two years ago, which, you know, many, many contributors kind of offered what they love about America. I'm trying to think about like things that, that really make this country unique and stand out. Um, I'll have more about my contrasting America with other country, other, other country I have lived in, uh, for a long period, which was Turkey, but I was going to begin with the variety of the United States. Um, and one of the things that I love that this, that you can, we, you know, you and I live in Northern Virginia. It definitely has a distinct, uh, culture, pace of life. Um, all of that, I get to get, get down to Hilton Head pretty regularly, you know, South Carolina has a different culture and pace of life. I've had the chance to head out to Houston and to Austin recently. Uh, last summer, went up to New England and pretty much whatever you like in this country. There's a part of the country that caters to that, that gives you that, whether it's, you know, temperature and climate and weather or whether it's you want to live uh, the joys of small town traditionalism or you want a big, exciting, vibrant, dynamic sometimes chaotic city and sometimes our cities have been a little more chaotic than we would like these days. Um, there's West coast laid back attitudes there. Apparently everybody in the world is, is uh, moving to Florida. It seems like these days um, there's the raucousness of new Orleans. I mean, you, you name whatever your personality type, whatever your, whatever you want out of life, there is a place in the United States that offers it to you. And I'm glad. I don't like seeing the country get homogenized. I don't like the idea of us all kind of becoming indistinguishable from one part of the country to another. And if this feels like a backdoor sales pitch for federalism, it's because it is. I like the fact that we have 50 states that set their own laws, set their own priorities, set their own ways that they want their life to be. Uh, you know, we've talked about, uh, you know, offshore oil drilling. I like the fact that states with big beaches like South Carolina and Florida are like, you know what? That's just not right for us. We don't want to have oil spills that can end up anywhere near our beaches. Uh, I don't think that's crazy lefty environmentalism. I think that's just knowing what is important to your voters and the people around you and your economy. And you don't want to mess with that. So I just kind of observe that, you know, in the United, we, we contain multitudes. There's so much to us. And that whatever your, um, whatever your lifestyle, whatever your, your priorities, whatever your uh, career, whatever, whatever it is you want out of life, there's probably someplace in America that can offer it to you. It's just a matter of finding it. Yeah, well said. Uh, you know, we got this slogan where we live in Virginia called Virginia is for lovers. And it sounds like some hippies made it up from the 1960s. Uh, it makes me cringe kind of when I see it. But the idea allegedly behind it is no matter what you love, you'll find it here in Virginia. If you like the beach, you like the mountains, you like uh, history, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you can find it here in Virginia. And that's kind of what you're saying. Uh, whatever your pace of life is, whatever you uh, find as the place you want to live, place you want to visit, you can find that. 
uh, in America. And I think that's going to uh, tie in pretty closely with one of my uh, concepts later. But the one I'm going to go to now is, uh, since it is July 4th, I figure I should uh, refer to the Declaration of Independence, officially ratified on the 2nd, but John Hancock slapped his signature and, and, and others on July 4th. Others did it later on. It wasn't all on that day. But this paragraph is revolutionary, the war itself too. But this paragraph, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. We take that for granted and uh, probably have for most of our lives. That was a completely radical idea in 1776. And they uh, fused Two amazing things here. One was uh, some of these thoughts from John Locke and others uh, connected with the Enlightenment, but they infused it with the uh, with the religious and uh, and other principled ethics of the people that came to this country. So it was different than other revolutionary movements like the French Revolution, which of course was almost all rational based, and uh, the rationale ended up with people's heads rolling around on the sidewalks in Paris, and so that didn't work out as well as the revolution here in the United States. But the idea that all men are created equal and that they are blessed by God with certain rights that government cannot take away and that the government gets its power from the consent of the government. All of that is brand new. Uh, some of us feel like that's slipping away. Uh, but uh, in the end, it is what is the bedrock of this country and was made this country the envy of the rest of the world for so many years now. And yes, there were people that say, well, they didn't think that all men were equal then. That is true. That is true, and that was uh, not correct. However, I don't think we ever would have gotten to the place where we are, whether it's a civil rights movement, uh, women, the right to vote, and so forth, without them laying down this marker, because that was something this country had to live up to. Uh, and so they deserve credit for that, too. The founders are getting bashed way too much now. They obviously weren't perfect. But as uh, other folks have said, the collection of intellect, talent, and, and otherwise from Washington, Jefferson, Franklin, Adams, uh, all the way down the line, Madison, of course, uh, is just almost unrivaled probably in American history. And uh, we got to be very grateful for that. Uh, Greg, I, I applaud that. I support that. And also I thank you for reminding me of the Virginia state slogan, Virginia is for <laughs> lovers. Let's just also remember that Pennsylvania has intercourse. Um, <laughs> intercourse, Pennsylvania. It's an unincorporated town. It's a real what place. You, it is a real what, place. What we, oh, yeah. We're, we're being... PG rated here on, on Three Martini Lunch. All right, Jim, a quick break from the things we love about this country to talk about one of our great sponsors, and that is ExpressVPN. Hey, do you know if you subscribe to a streaming service like Netflix without using ExpressVPN? It's kind of like going to a casino and only being able to play on the slot machines. What do we mean? Well, it means that a lot of content is off limits to you. Uh, that's because Netflix has different content libraries for every country, and Netflix has thousands of shows, but without a VPN, you only get access to a fraction of that content based on your location. And so ExpressVPN lets you change your online location. It can control where you want Netflix or other streaming services to think that you are located. And Netflix has a very handy content unblocking chart uh, that uh, that you can access to let you know exactly how to navigate that whole system so you can see everything that you want to see. Look, ExpressVPN allows for blazing fast speeds. It streams in HD with zero buffering. It's also compatible with all of your devices 
and deals with servers in 94 different countries. So be smart. Stop paying full price for streaming services and only getting access to a fraction of the content. Get your money's worth at expressvpn.com slash martini. And don't forget to use our link at expressvpn.com slash martini to get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. One more time, expressvpn.com slash martini. Okay, Jim, what's the second thing you love about America? Um, my second selection aligns a great deal with yours. And it is the, uh, this is where I think back to the two years that I spent living in Ankara, Turkey. Uh, I was attempting to be a foreign correspondent over there, uh, traveling with my wife who was doing work for the embassy out there. And it's just, you know, I, I almost wish everyone in America could get an experience of living in another country. Um, because other countries have things that they like. There were parts of uh, life in Turkey that I liked. There were parts of all the places we visited in Europe and the Middle East that I liked. But, you know, as they say, there's no place like home. And one of the things that I, I remember, you know, Turkey, we think is a NATO member, Muslim country, technically a democracy with the occasional military coup. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we tend to think of it as, oh, okay, they're a pretty normal place. Well, it's abnormal from the American perspective in certain ways. Among them, their freedom of speech obviously is, you know, first of all, it's gotten much worse under Erdogan. But even back when I was there, if you wrote Turkey committed the Armenian genocide, they could put you in jail. There were certain things. You, you had to refer to it as the so-called Armenian genocide if you were writing about the topic. And I became very, you know, jokingly calling it the skag uh, for something like that. As an American citizen, I was unlikely to ever be prominent enough or concerned enough with that if I referred to it. But it was just this very revealing example of this is a case in which we generally don't think of as being Iran or North Korea or, you know, some sort of authoritarian dystopian nightmare state, which still had significant government limitations on what you could say. And in fact, since the years since I lived there back in 2005, 2007, it's only gotten worse. Uh, you look over at the United Kingdom, they have libel laws, in which it's a little bit easier to take somebody to court and, you know, sue them and, you know, get uh, significant penalties for someone writing something that is libelous or uh, slanderous. Uh, libel is written, slander is spoken, for those who, you know. I've seen Americans complain about this. And undoubtedly, somebody writes something about you or somebody who you admire and you don't like it and you think it's not true or you're pretty sure it's not true. It is good that we don't have uh, numerous people who are um, terrified of writing something controversial about someone with deep pockets. Now, obviously, we've had attempts to do this. They call it SLAP, Strategic Lawsuit Against Public Participation. If someone knows they're going to lose the libel suit, but they file it anyway because they want to impose significant legal costs upon the person who does that. Um, I think it's also safe to argue that while we do not have quite as much government restrictions on what you can say, there has been an increasing effort, uh, cancel culture, so to speak, in which you put inflict economic consequences upon people for controversial speech. And I think that is at its heart fundamentally un-American. Uh, a Supreme Court that can manage to protect the rights of Illinois Nazis. And there's everybody we hate. Nobody likes Illinois Nazis. I can, use, I can quote the Blues Brothers at more, uh, in greater length there. <laughs> I'll just summarize Indiana Jones, Nazis. I hate these guys. But nonetheless, they have First Amendment rights, no matter how much we may find their thought, their viewpoint odious, horrible, and the antithesis of everything America is supposed to stand for. Similarly, at least in the past, Supreme Court said that lap dances were a form of protected First Amendment free expression. I'm not really sure that's what the founders had in mind. But if the government believes that neither of those should be restricted, well, then surely your controversial opinion that you share on Twitter or Facebook should have no more severe consequences than either of those. 
Anyway, we have freedom of speech in this country, generally, and I'm glad that we have it, and I hope we do not lose it. It is much rarer than I think most Americans recognize. Now, very, very important. And yeah, people who have been to other countries like you have, uh, certainly people who have uh, lost freedom uh, in my job in interviewing veterans. You, you talk to POWs and what it meant to them to be out and to be home after being, whether it's at the Hanoi Hilton or somewhere during World War II. I mean, the idea of losing that freedom and having it back gives them an entirely new appreciation for it. And so uh, whether you're able to compare it uh, to, to other countries while you're not incarcerated or, or you've uh, been in those extreme circumstances, uh, understanding just how good we have it in this country uh, is certainly uh, a major blessing. Uh, one of the things I also have thought about, uh, Jim, and I, I don't know all of the um, different nationalities uh, that run through your family. I obviously know that you're, that you're Irish, at least in part on your dad's side. But, uh, you know, you think of all the different people in this country and how many of us probably wouldn't even exist if it weren't for America being that beacon, that shining city on a hill uh, that we heard from the pilgrims all the way up to President Reagan. And the reason it's a shining city on the hill is not only what we just talked about with the Declaration of Independence, but certainly the Bill of Rights, some of which you talked about and uh, other countries do not have much of the chagrin of their citizens. So whether it's Religious freedom, which is the main thing that brought our, our earliest settlers here, or economic opportunity and, and the free markets uh, for so many years, uh, free speech, free expression, uh, the right to protect yourself, all the things that are beautifully enshrined in our Bill of Rights and so forth. It's what brought so many different people here from so many different countries. Uh, I know that uh, two of my grandparents probably would have never met uh, if that hadn't been the case and America hadn't been here, which means my parents wouldn't have met, I wouldn't be here. And I think that would be the case for so many different people. And it's just not true in other countries. I mean, if you're from that country, you know, you're, you're an Italian, you're a German, you're English, whatever. Here in America, yeah, you are you are those things. And we, we joke about it. I certainly am proud to have the Greek heritage and the other nationalities that I get from my mom's side. But the fact that uh, we can celebrate those things, but in the context of being an American, I think is fantastic as well. So the fact that America has been this magnet for people who want to to live free and to uh, achieve their, their highest uh, ambitions, whether it's professionally or just a, a better future for their kids. There's still no place like it. And uh, hopefully we can fight to preserve what made it that way. That is exceptionally well said, Greg. And before we move on to the final things that we love about America, time for a quick break to let you know that we're brought to you in part again today by the Presidential Election Project. Imagine a scenario in 2024 that is similar to 2020 with a lot of questions about irregularities in votes and maybe even debates and recounts of votes in key states. Except this time, it's not Mike Pence, but it's Vice President Kamala Harris, who's being urged to interpret her role in the process as one where she would have the right to determine which electoral votes count. And why? Because the Electoral Count Act just isn't specific enough. The Presidential Election Project wants to see this changed. Go to presidentialelectionproject.com now to sign up and get updates. Learn more about this very important procedural ceremony and what steps Congress is taking to reform and clarify our electoral process. This project, uh, sorry, uh, three, two, one. Again, the project urges you to visit presidentialelectionproject.com and sign up to get updates so that by 2024, there is no question that Vice President Harris won't have the power to overturn those results. Presidentialelectionproject.com. All right, Jim, let's move on to our third and final thing that we love about America. What do you have next? Yeah, this may seem like a little bit of a cop-out, but I'm going to say the people, and here's the specific context I'm going to say, the people of America. 
Uh, you, you and I work in the news business. So the, the three the first three letters in the word news are new, which means we're talking about things that happen that are recent and that are unusual, that stand out. As the old saying goes, they don't write a lot of stories about the planes that land safely, which means that if you spend a lot of time following the news, and if you listen to this podcast, there's a very good chance you spend a decent amount of time keeping up with the news, you're constantly encountering bad news. And I suspect that social media only uh, enhances that sentiment of doom scrolling, right? It spotlights the really unusual and often the unusually bad. And of course, social media, whether it's the comment sections in YouTube or on websites or Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or whatever you're on, you're going to, there's an excellent chance you're going to encounter a lot of idiots, not just people who are genuinely idiots. Social media tends to bring out people's most exhibitionist tendencies and their most malicious and mean tendencies because it gives people both an audience and anonymity. Greg, it's exceptionally hard to perform and to attract an audience and show your thoughts and visions with the world and always remain anonymous and no one see your face or know your name unless you're Daft Punk, that duo that never took off their masks. (laughs) Then again, I guess after the pandemic, we have some people who never take off their masks too. But anyway, (laughs) the point being that if you actually interact with Americans, you know, either it's in your your hometown or you travel or you you get to uh, get to, you know, just get around. Uh, outside your the confines of the walls, you begin to realize, oh, Americans are pretty nice people. Maybe they're jerks, but they're not jerks all the time. And they're certainly not this, you know, furious, frothing at the mouth personalities that they show online. Do those people exist? Sure. Are you going to run into people online at uh, Target or Walmart or uh, your local gas station who, who you know, are off their rocker? Yeah, once in a while. But by and large, people are nice. People are courteous. People care about each other. If you're Stuck by the side of the road, chances are someone will try to help you out. And the odds are great that they're not a serial killer. Uh, <laughs> America, you know, every time, you know, every time I go out of the country, particularly to South Carolina, uh, or very often the South and Midwest, but even almost anywhere, I thought, wow, people are really nice here. And then, Greg, I realized my, maybe it's my baseline of being in the Washington, D.C. area. It's, it's not that everyone is so nice everywhere I go. It's that people aren't that nice where I live. But you know what? Even in Northern Virginia and the D.C. area, you can find nice people. So if you ever get too down about Americans, you think we're full of idiots and, and you know, uh, horrible, obnoxious, uh, racist, uh, uh, you know, hate-filled people, go out and interact with real people. Chances are you're going to find somebody nice. You're going to find somebody who's pleasant. You're going to suddenly realize, oh, wait. We are generally pretty decent people. We're not perfect. We have flaws. But generally, we all kind of like living here. We all love our country. We all want things to be better. We're all trying to raise our kids. We're all trying to basically, you know, get through life and have a slightly better tomorrow than we had yesterday. So all in all, good for you, Americans. I don't, you know, we get torn down a lot. I don't think you get enough credit. God bless you. You know, when we say God bless America, we really mean God bless Americans. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, there definitely are nice people in Northern Virginia. Uh, one thing that I, I brought from small town Michigan, though, was, uh, you know, looking people in the eye and smiling uh, when you don't know who they are. Just just they happen to cross paths. Yeah, most people around here, they don't do that. They think you're weird. So, uh, Greg, are you a serial killer? What's wrong with you? <laughs> just, you have no idea how many people in the D.C. area. Like, I was walking down the street and this seemingly nice guy just kept looking at me. I don't think I'm staring people down, just general courtesy. But uh, so, so this area could work on that. But uh, I do love going home. I do love going to the South. And uh, uh, my wife has family in a small town, Tennessee. And as you know, I've spent time at Hilton Head. And uh, uh, yeah, wherever you go, it's just uh, it's just fantastic. And so uh, I also want to add on to that because I 
generally agree with, with your point there. I also agree that uh, it's a beautiful country. And you were talking about how people pick different climates and different places to live and uh, based on small town, big city, all those sorts of things. And uh, But if you just look around at just how beautiful the country is, the song America the Beautiful really does sum it up pretty well. I mean, the, I know the first time I saw the Rockies by... My breath was just taken away. They're just absolutely stunning. Uh, seeing the ocean, of course, which we get to see pretty often uh, where we live is is fantastic. Uh, up in the, the UP of Michigan, where I'm from, uh, you know, the colors are phenomenal and just uh, all different parts of the, the four seasons where you have a chance to, to see that stuff. So uh, we are blessed in a number of different ways in this country, the people, the land, the resources underneath it without getting too political in this particular episode. Uh, and of course, uh, the founding principles, which uh, unite this country and have been uh, the magnet for all of us and our ancestors to want to come here. So Jim, a lot to celebrate today. How do the Garrity's celebrate? Uh, very often by eating a lot of grilled meats. Uh, we usually get together with a friend's house that's on a lake. Uh, no one has drowned yet. Um, and, you know, look, the, the big uh, performance of the fireworks down in the mall, it's great. We've done that for a couple of years. But in this community, it's all done by amateurs. There's no heavy hand of government or really any safety regulations whatsoever. Um, and so you're sitting there by the lakeside and the fireworks are going off right directly over your heads. It's fantastic. It always blows the kids' minds and it's uh, a lot of fun. And as far as I know, everybody's still got all their fingers. Yes, yes, uh, absolutely fantastic. Uh, you know, whatever your feelings are on COVID restrictions, I think we've made ours pretty clear. One of my favorite moments as an American in recent years, remember when LA tried to tell people not to get together for fireworks for the 4th of July because of COVID? And then you could see from... Uh... <laughs> from above the city just fireworks going off everywhere and there's no way the police were going to do anything about it so as you said god bless america the cops are probably setting off some fireworks themselves <laughs> exactly there was no way they're going to stop that after being cooped up so long so however you celebrate uh we love the fireworks too uh whether you're grilling whatever you're doing spending time with family have a great time and uh, once again be thankful that we do live in America. So Jim, have a great day and I will talk to you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast and tell a friend about us if you uh, haven't done those things yet. Also, thank you for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. We definitely appreciate those. Get us on your home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch Podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a terrific Independence Day celebration, and we will see you again on the Tuesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. California-based radio host Jennifer Horn joins me to discuss how deep blue California is fed up with the disastrous policies of the left. I'm Sarah Carter. On the latest Sarah Carter Show, Jennifer tells me why Latino voters shifting to the right are going to be a huge story in her state and beyond. And I'll discuss what to expect at the border now that the Supreme Court says the Biden administration can kill Title 42. Don't miss it. Follow the Sarah Carter Show at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.